Football Factory in the Dynasty Football Network. That's James Katulis. I'm John Hogue, and this is Super Flexible. And Travis Rasmussen is out for this week, so James, you have to be both. I, I shaved this week too, so you have to be both the brain and the beard um, for us on this uh, this week as we continue the running back dissection. Yeah, that's that's not going to be easy. I don't think I can fill the shoes of the 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 beard while trying to be the, the brain. I mean, that's those are big shoes to fill. But <laughs> they're uh, mutually think, exclusive, think, huh? <laughs> yeah, yeah, between the two of us, I think uh, I think we'll be able to uh, to at least I don't know make people uh, hate us a little bit more while Travis is gone, and then uh, he can come back to save us <laughs> next next time, huh? Yeah, I'll. Uh... I'll do my best to uh, be the Travis version of the voice of reason. And I'll definitely make sure and throw in a, whoa, uh, if you make a bold statement. And uh, But he was so good if it's a running back who uh, is particularly sexy um, in uh, in name and in value. So maybe that's how we'll cover for uh, for Travis. So oh, Travis, awesome. hurry back, otherwise we're gonna we're gonna <laughs> just destroy you here. <laughs> all right, all right. So you know what? Uh, we we went over the first six, the the top six running backs, um, as uh, you know, going down their finish in a PPR league uh, from last season, and we're on running back seven. Running back seven is Lashawn McCoy. Um, Lashawn McCoy, in his ninth season, started all sixteen games. He uh, ended up with 287 carries, ran for 1,138 yards and six touchdowns. He also had 77 targets, which he turned into 59 receptions for 448 yards and another two scores through the air. Um, Sean McCoy's, I mean, this guy seems to be a top 10 back, um, you know, pr- pretty uh, pretty commonly um, here in Buffalo. Uh, they use him a lot. But uh, the one thing I did notice, you know, his yards per carry was 4.0. That's a career low. Um, so, you know, I, that, that's alarming to me. Whenever an older running back has a career low in yards per carry, it kind of shows a sign of slowing down. I think there's a lot of question marks going on at Buffalo, too. I mean, who's going to be the quarterback moving forward? Um, you know, what's, what's going to happen in, in that regard? Um, so, I, to me, if I have LaShawn McCoy, I'm probably trying to move him. Again, he's an older running back. I don't know how much you're going to be able to get for him, but I'd rather move a running back like this a year early as opposed to a year late. Uh, He's 29 years old, um, going to be 30 next season, so definitely I think now is the time to move him. Um, So, yeah, I don't know. What do you you think, John, about LaShawn McCoy moving forward? What do you think uh, his role is going to be there? Yeah, I mean, I think you said it all. You know, 30 years old. Um, it's a it's an offense that probably is going to need to be almost completely rebuilt. I mean, I don't see Tyrod Taylor coming back, which you know maybe they bring in a, a veteran quarterback to uh, to take over. Um, but I mean, there's not a, a lot out there that strike. You know, if you're if you if you're not happy with Tyrod Taylor. I don't see how you're going to be happy with, you know, Alex Smith, Andy Dalton, Eli Manning, guys like that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that that offense is kind of in flux, and it kind of makes McCoy the odd man out. I mean, he, he, I I will say, you know, I talked last week about top five running backs and how they don't repeat. Um, 
LaShawn McCoy has been an outlier as far as that goes. He's He's been a top five running back four times in his career. So betting against him has been a, a losing bet to this point. But I, 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 I just can't imagine him doing this again anywhere near running back seven you know with it with this offense where it's at and with him at his age and you know before this year that he had been seeing less and less usage so and you know you pointed it out his his yards per carry suffered quite a bit by the fact that his usage went up uh, you know just a little bit so I guess the one question that, that I have because this is a situation that I'm actually kind of facing right at the moment. I took over an orphan team that has LaShawn McCoy on it, and that's the only team where I have him across all of my dynasty teams. I'm not entirely sure how to sell him. I don't know. Maybe The window might be closed to move on from McCoy at this point. I mean, obviously, you know, I could sell him probably for a, you know, for a late draft pick or something, but I think he's worth more than that. But I don't know that I'm going to get full value for him at this point. Yeah, that's that's interesting. And I, I kind of think you're right. I think a lot of people probably feel the same way about McCoy. I mean, you just hear LaShawn McCoy and you feel like he's been in the league forever, don't you? I mean, he was in in Philadelphia and he had so many years there. Now he's been in Buffalo for a while. And you just you just feel like LaShawn McCoy is a guy who's been around a whole, whole, you know, uh, a, a long time and he's had, he's had a lot of carries you know he's got a lot of usage a lot of hits and you know i he, he's never had a, a huge injury to, to my knowledge i mean I, a lot of his injuries have kind of been whittle nicks and you know i mean he hasn't missed a whole chunk of games in one season so i mean i there's that i mean you know the durability thing it seems like he's pretty durable he plays through a lot of stuff um so i mean there's there's some benefits to having mccoy on your team absolutely but it just seems like when you think of LaShawn McCoy, you think of a running back who is past his prime. And so, unfortunately, I think when you're trying to deal him, that that probably pops up in a lot of people's minds. Not to mention the fact that the influx of rookie running backs, younger guys who are doing it, and we're going to get to some of those names in a little bit here, um, is really having an adverse effect because you feel like you can replace a McCoy. You can get a McCoy in the draft or, you know, even later in the draft with a second round pick. So those picks hold more value. So then, you know, really, why are you dealing for McCoy if you think you can get somebody there? So, um, yeah, I, I think there's a lot working against trying to deal a veteran back right now. Uh, so, I, yeah, I mean, as much as you kind of want to deal him, you, you might be right, John. Your best bet might be keeping him uh, if you can't get fair value for him. Yeah, I think you almost treat him like like a handcuff at this point. I mean, I think that you have to make plans for a starter. Um, I don't think that you can go into 2018 calling LaShawn McCoy one of your starting running backs, you know, unless it's a one of those crazy lineups where you're starting, you know, three or four running backs and getting point per carry or something. But otherwise, I, I think that you... I think that you're kind of stuck with him on your roster, and I think that's okay. I mean, I think you're going to get something out of him as long as you can lower your expectations on him because I think his value is just too, too depressed to move him. But on, you, oh, sorry, go you ahead. Might, real quick, I'm sorry, John. You might have nailed something because the more I think about it, the more 
you know, maybe now isn't the time to move him, but maybe, you know, if this guy has a big game or two early in the season next year, maybe then, maybe that's the time to move him. You know, maybe you kind of wait for your spot um, early in, in, you know, in next season and and try to move him once he comes off a, a good performance. Maybe that's the way to kind of handle it with McCoy. Yeah, yeah, I, that's absolutely. Yeah. And maybe there will be another window to move him at some point. Um, all right, so on to the next guy, uh, running back eight for the 2017 season, and a guy whose val- whose value isn't necessarily depressed, but is definitely volatile. Carlos Hyde of the San Francisco 49ers, at least for the moment, <laughs> 240 carries, 938 yards, and eight touchdowns on the ground, and then another 87 targets, uh, 59 catches, and 350 yards through the air. So uh, Carlos Hyde is a really interesting one because, number one, he's a free agent. And I think that he would probably be the biggest name free agent on the market when uh, when free agency hits, assuming he, he does make it to free agency. Um, but also, they went into the new into the 2017 season with a new head coach in Kyle Shanahan, a new general manager in John Lynch, and neither of them seemed to be all that impressed with Carlos Hyde. Um, just kind of reading the tea leaves at the time, you know, there was the whole banging on the table to draft Joe Williams, who ended up on IR for this season. Matt Breda got a fair amount of work throughout the season, which seemed to indicate that, you know, Carlos Hyde wasn't exactly a priority. But at the same time, they did give him a significant amount of work. 240 carries is still pretty significant. And, you know, another 87 targets. So he was extremely used in the passing game as well. So the I I feel like the whole key with Carlos Hyde is where does he end up and you know was that all smoke and mirrors or do the San Francisco 49ers really want to move on from this guy Yeah th- those are all really good points that you bring up because I I when I when I looked at his at his season stats um, that you kind of pointed out I I was a little shocked honestly because like you said Matt Burita got some run um, it seemed like, uh, you know, they were down on Hyde in San Francisco, especially going into the year. I mean, we heard all sorts of stuff with, you know, Joe Williams starting or Matt Barreda or, you know, they, they weren't high on Hyde and, and that sort of thing. And it was kind of puzzling to, I think, everyone, you know, I think we were all kind of puzzled on, on why they weren't, you know, weren't sold on Hyde. Um, so I, my thing is, is it, I, I'm shocked he was used so much in the passing game. Like you said, 87 targets or 88 targets. That he ended up having is is insane. Now that number went down significantly. His uh, his targets per game when Jimmy Garoppolo was in there. So that's something to keep in mind. But the fact that they trusted him that much as a receiver out of the backfield just shows that this guy can be a three down back. He can be a guy who can beat you in the passing game and in the running game. So that gives me hope with him heading into free agency. Um, like you said, you know, this is probably the most coveted free agent thinking that, you know, Le'Veon Bell gets the franchise tag. If that does happen, then obviously Carlos Hyde, if he makes it to free agency, he'll be the guy, um, the one coveted back that you would think coming out uh, in free agency. And there's a few other guys, but I think Hyde would top that list. And knowing that this guy can, you know, he was healthy all 16 games, he carried the workload, like you said, 240, uh, you know, rushing attempts is nothing, you know, I, I mean, that's that's a good amount of carries. 
and also 88 targets in the passing game, it, it just shows you that he has that versatility. And I, I, I just think that he ends up landing in a starting role. I mean, there's several backs that I think, you know, are, are replaceable that, that Hyde would be an upgrade over. So I, I think Hyde finds himself in a decent situation, at least for, for carries, for opportunity. I think he'll find himself in a decent situation in that regard. Um, so I guess if someone's someone's selling Hyde well just because they're a little concerned about his situation moving forward, I, I would try to buy. Um, I don't know that I would I would overspend for the guy. I, I buy his talent. But again, his situation is a little murky. I think he winds up in a good situation, at least for opportunity. And that's really all you can ask. Um, when you, when you're trying to buy a running back like that, so let's move on to running back nine. Running back nine is Leonard Fournette. Um, Leonard Fournette, obviously, in his rookie year this year, he played in 13 games. He ended up with 268 carries for 1,040 yards and nine touchdowns. Uh, he turned he had 48 targets. He turned into 36 receptions for 302 yards and a touchdown. Had a very nice year um, overall. Uh, things with with uh, Fournette. Um, first off. His yards per carry, he averaged 3.9 yards per carry, so he didn't even average four yards per carry, um, which is something that is a little concerning um, to me. Um, I would say his nine touchdowns is nice. He's a bigger back. I think he's going to continue getting the uh, the goal line carries. 48 targets uh, and 38, uh, 36 receptions off of those 48 targets is nice. One of the things coming into to Leonard Fournette's rookie year here was, um, you know, can he catch the ball? You know, is he a good enough receiver? LSU really didn't use him out of the backfield net in that role. And I think he proved that he is, um, even more so in the playoffs here. I, I think people who watched Leonard Fournette saw that this guy can catch the ball. Um, he's pretty natural at it, and uh, and that's not a concern moving forward. Um, so that's the thing with Leonard Fournette that uh, I think he answered a lot of critics there by being able to show that he can catch the ball out of the backfield, and he's more than just a, a two-down back. Uh, the, the concern with him, though, is the ankle. You know, I mean, it's always kind of been the injury concern with Leonard Fournette. And the ankle, you know, any type of foot or ankle injury to a running back really scares me. Um, uh, you know, there, there's um, several accounts of running backs that, that, you know, have that foot injury or have that ankle injury that it just doesn't go away. And uh, and that, to me, I mean, again, that's that's a major concern. That's something that I worry about with a running back, especially a power back. I mean, this is a guy who's going to be driving off that foot to try to break tackles, to try to run through the line. Um, and and if the power, you know, isn't off that foot, um, it scares me a little bit. I've talked to um, to our guy. Um, uh, I'm, I'm going to butcher Eric's name. I'm sorry. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> Eric Feldheim, uh, our resident doctor of physical therapy over at uh, DFF, and he does a fantastic job, uh, you know, covering some of the injury risks um, that players have. And and, uh, and you know those, those foot and ankle injuries are, are big time. You know those are those are ones that can carry that can linger for a career. So um, that's my concern really with Fournette. The one thing I will say is I'm always concerned with yards per carry. I'm a little less concerned with Fournette only because I think the volume is going to be there uh, for him moving forward. And so I think that with that volume, you can withstand the yards per carry being down a little bit because he's going to get enough volume to kind of make up for it and still see production. So. Uh, that's my take on Fournette. What do you think, uh, John? When you when you watch Fournette, what do you see? Yeah, I see just like the uh, the Greek god Achilles, all the the all powerful Leonard Fournette with the fatal flaw <laughs> in the exact same thing. It's in the ankles. That is just it. It's 
going to be an ongoing issue, I believe. And I think that he's going to miss multiple games virtually every single season. I don't know if you're ever going to get a full fantasy season out of Leonard Fournette. And that's probably okay. The interesting thing with Fournette that I don't know that I would say this about really any other guy, but I think that he would benefit from a little bit more of a committee approach. And I don't know that Chris Ivory is the guy that that really spells Fournette in a meaningful way, you know, in a credible way. So I think that, but I, I do think that if the Jaguars were to bring in a backup running back who could take Fournette off the field, you know, I think that cutting into that volume a little bit would actually help with Fournette, number one, in keeping him on the field longer and, you know, with the possibility of actually playing a full schedule. But number two, I think that it might bring the, that yards per carry up a little bit. So I, I, I'm I, not terribly down on Fournette just yet. I mean, I don't love the idea of a, of a, of a player that you can bank on him missing time due to injury. But beyond that, I mean, I, I just, I see a path here where he can continue this upward trajectory and it's just, it's really strange and real, really appealing that that path is through actually giving up work to, to another back. Now, let me ask you real quick, how do you feel about TJ Yeldon? I know in the playoffs, um, they were kind of using Yeldon a little bit here and there for spells. Ivory just seems to be kind of a, a, a slower Fournette. I mean, he, he just kind of seems to be the same guy. And I, I like Ivory um, mm-hmm. to an extent. However, um, I don't know that he would complement Fournette so well. But what do you think about Yeldon in that role? Does he have a, uh, a future in that role maybe as, as a guy that could spell Fournette here and there? I I think that I think that TJ Yeldon is probably already in his role. And I think it's a good one for him. I, I, I like TJ Yeldon, believe it or not. I don't know if anyone's ever said that before. But I think that, uh, you know, he's he's kind of settled into that pass catching role a, a little bit. And he's a very good pass catcher out of the backfield. So I, I think that that's kind of where he belongs. And I think that his his production and his work needs to be independent of you know, the between the tackles guys. So I think that you still need another guy there. I, you know, I think that it needs to be an upgrade from Chris Ivory. I'm with you. I don't think that Chris Ivory is quite what we're looking for here. But I I think that you need to to bring in a guy to uh, maybe a Jeremy Hill. That might be a little bit of an upgrade over Chris Ivory. And that that could be he could be credible enough of a between the tackles runner that you can take Leonard Fournette off of the field, you know, for you know ten carries and uh, you know fifteen snaps per game. Give those to Jeremy Hill, and your offense doesn't necessarily miss a beat. Jeremy Hill or whoever, <laughs> that's just hypothetical. But your offense doesn't miss a beat, and Leonard Fournette's. His his volume goes down, but I don't think his production does. So yeah, I don't think T.J. T. Yeldon is uh, is quite what we're looking for. But I think that he has significant independent value of uh, of that position. 
So let's move on to another rookie, running back 10, Christian McCaffrey. Speaking of pass-catching backs, he did have 117 carries for 435 yards and two touchdowns. He, uh, But his his main production was in the the in the passing game 80 receptions um behind only Alvin Kamara for running backs on 113 targets which led all running backs he caught and he caught um 80 of those for 651 yards and five touchdowns and it it really kind of seemed like that was in the back half of the season uh I I don't have the game logs in front of me to back that up but it it seemed like there was kind of a shift in philosophy for the Panthers where they started to move on from, you know, setting McCaffrey up uh, behind Cam Newton under center and, you know, handing him the ball and having him run between the tackles. There's just, there's not a lot to be gained in that. <laughs> Christian McCaffrey is not a power back. He's not a between the tackles runner, but he, he really does kind of work more as a slot receiver. You know, I would I would compare him more to Wes Welker than I would to, you know, a, a pass catching back like a Alvin Kamara or a Duke Johnson or James White. I think uh, Christian McCaffrey, and I mean not just because they're little white dudes, Christian McCaffrey has that kind of get out in space type of receiving abilities and uh, covers the the short and intermediate routes for that offense. I don't know how North Turner's necessarily going to use him, but I think that there's a chance here for Christian McCaffrey to have significant value playing kind of a Darren Sproles type of role for them, um, which North Turner does have experience with. Yeah, I, I guess for me, I'm a little concerned on how they're going to use Christian McCaffrey moving forward. First of all, I, watching Christian McCaffrey coming into uh, you know the NFL at Stanford, you saw a guy who was able to run between the tackles. He wasn't a power back. He wasn't a guy that was going to plow anyone over, but he would find the smallest crease and he would be able to cut it up for five yards. You know, He was capable of doing that. And for some reason in Carolina, it doesn't seem like that was the case. Now, he's not Jonathan Stewart. He's not going to be able to plow forward, make his own hole and run for three yards. It's not three yards in a cloud of dust with him. So maybe there just wasn't that crease. I'm not sure, but I, I can tell you this. I think Christian McCaffrey can be a, a effective inside runner. Um, I, I don't think it's going to be where he makes his A, but I think he can do it well enough to where, you know, he's not going to be a liability on the field in that situation. But Moving forward, I mean, w- with a player like Christian McCaffrey, you have to have some sort of vision, you know? You have to have some kind of of outside-the-box mentality when it comes to getting him the ball, getting him the ball in space. You know, it, it almost seems like uh, teams like the New England Patriots will, will you know, for, for one, but um, there are teams that will, will find innovative ways to get playmakers the ball in space. And it didn't seem to me like Carolina did that. They ran a lot of wheel routes. A lot of, you know, just, just basic routes for Christian McCaffrey to get the ball. And, you know, it, it didn't seem like it worked very well early. And so now I'm wondering, you know, you have North Turner in there, and it just doesn't scream visionary. It doesn't scream, you know, a guy who's going to think outside the box and try to get McCaffrey the ball in in more innovative ways. 
So I'm a little concerned with with what's going to happen there. I, I'm buying all into McCaffrey's ability. I just it's frustrating seeing them try to use this weapon. And in my opinion, I, I don't think that they do a very good job of using him to his strengths. Um, so I, as much as I like McCaffrey, and again, I mean he's running back ten in a PPR, so it's not like he had a terrible year by any means. He's uh, you know he's a number number one running back, a low end one number one running back this year. Um, however, I think he could be so much more, and uh, and I, I'm interested to see kind of how they use him and if they make it a priority to get him the ball in some more innovative ways. Um, I don't know what you, you have any thoughts, John, before we move on. I guess I really don't. I well, one other thought here, and it's based. It's not so much regarding Christian McCaffrey as just kind of the overall backfield situation that I feel like we should touch on um, while we're here, while we're on the Panthers. Um, And it could affect Christian McCaffrey, but Jonathan Stewart is 30 years old. He uh, he's in the last year of his contract with a five million, just over five million dollar cap hit, but only one and a half million of dead money. So. There's an out here for for the Panthers to move on from Jonathan Stewart and uh, save some significant cap space. And I mean, obviously, I, I obviously he would be replaced. You know, maybe it's in a draft, maybe it's in free agency. Somebody comes in there. I can't imagine that you move forward with Cameron Artis Payne and Fozzie Whitaker as your your main you know, first and second down running backs. But there also could be a little bit of an uptick in uh, early down work for Christian McCaffrey based on that. Again, that that all is dependent on Jonathan Stewart moving on. I I don't know for sure that that's even going to happen. I mean, one more year either way. If he saves in Carolina, I don't know why you don't just run him into the ground. But if he moves on, that it could make things interesting. That that whole offense with North Turner at the helm now is just a total mystery to me at this point, and particularly the running game. Um, but I thought that we should touch on Jonathan Stewart while we're on the Panthers' backfield. Yeah, absolutely. That's definitely something I'll be keeping an eye on. I did not know that he had carried such... Uh such little dead dead cap money so that's that's interesting definitely something to keep an eye on moving forward and seeing if they decide it's time to kind of move on from jonathan stewart um so let's let's go ahead and move forward uh running back 11 is duke johnson um i'm shocked that duke johnson was here well let's go through his numbers <laughs> you're such a browns fan <laughs> yeah yeah like, he we had eight. somebody in the top <laughs> the top 12 at their position how is yeah, that ever I, possible I, and 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 I knew Duke Johnson had a few games that that were impressive, but I just check out these numbers. He he played in all sixteen games. He started none. Okay, <laughs> he he had eighty two carries, yeah, three hundred and forty eight yards and four touchdowns. However, he had ninety three targets. He turned into seventy four receptions for six hundred ninety three yards and three touchdowns. So really, when you look at Duke Johnson, he made his hay catching the ball out of the backfield and. Here's the thing. I, if you look at Cleveland, Isaiah Crowell's an unrestricted free agent. They're probably going to move on from him. I would think that one of their goals is going to be to get a running back that 
And, and and real quick, news just broke today that uh, the Browns are have come to terms with uh, a new offensive coordinator. It looks like they are bringing in Todd Haley. So um, really kind of interesting news there because when you look at a guy like Todd Haley, you see a guy who's worked with Le'Veon Bell for a, for quite some time. And uh, and so you know, is Le'Veon Bell a free agent? If so, is is there ties that you know makes makes sense for Le'Veon Bell to come there. But even if not, the Browns have two top five picks in the draft and Saquon Barkley may be available. Um, so I'm, I just, when you look at it, it just kind of seems like the Browns are in the market for a running back, a do-all type running back like a Le'Veon Bell. And that would really cut the Duke Johnson's workload. Um, I just don't know that I see enough of a role for him moving forward to being a, a primary receiver like that. I think part of the reason why he had so many targets and receptions was that the Browns lacked receiving options towards the end of the year with Josh Gordon back, Corey Coleman healthy, uh, David Njoku hopefully taking a step further uh, this next season. Um, that may be not be the case. And then, you know, if you bring in a running back, um, that is an Isaiah Crowell, you know, a running back that uh, maybe, and, and Crowell is okay catching the ball out of the backfield. He's not terrible, but it's definitely not his forte. It's not what he does well. I think if they bring in somebody who can do that well, it really diminishes Duke Johnson's role moving forward. So if I have Duke Johnson, and I, I don't think anyone views him as a top 12 type running back, I think he probably carries maybe top 20 running back value. Maybe in a PPR, I, I would I would move him if, if you can get anything for him. That's kind of my my thought on him. Uh, what do you think, John, for Duke Johnson? Yeah, I think that you're probably right. Um, Duke Johnson's on the last year of his rookie contract, which means he's probably moving on next year as well. And I I mean I think that he's always going to be one of these guys. I mean that last year they almost. Going into 2017, they kind of talked about moving him from running back to slot receiver. You know, he's he's that type of player that he's always going to be kind of borderline wide receiver. You know, kind of an H back type of type of of do it all, versatile, a little bit more of a pass catcher than a run between the tackles type of guy. And I think that that's going to be in demand somewhere. So, I mean, I think that he probably has a little bit higher value right now than, well, certainly higher than he's ever had before, you know, after a top 12 finish. Um, I don't think that it's going to drop significantly, even if they do bring in Saquon Barkley, which I'm, I got to be honest, I'm not convinced of that. I, I don't know that that's the piece that you need if you're if you're the Browns. And I think that there are so many running backs in this draft class. Now, I mean, you may you do make a good point with Todd Haley. He that's definitely his type of running back. Uh, I I just you know, and before before Le'Veon Bell, he had guys like Andre Ellington and Beanie Wells who were definitely kind of that that do it all Swiss Army knife type of back. So so I could I could definitely see that, but to me with those early picks in the first round, I mean obviously you need a quarterback. Um now that Deshaun Watson or Deshaun Kaiser has been completely destroyed um to a point where uh, he doesn't even get his own name apparently. And I mean I think that you're beyond that, you're only a couple pieces away to be totally honest. I know as a Browns fan, you're skeptical about that, but I mean, this is a 
this is one of the best offensive lines in the game. You've got a strong receiving core, believe it or not. Um, it, it could be a little bit better. And then the defense, to me, this is a sleeper defense. If you're in one of those leagues that plays with a DST, I'm, I'm looking at Cleveland as one of those that's going to jump up with, uh, you know, with, with the pass rush that they have now and the secondary that they already have put together. And they could possibly add to that with like a Minka Fitzpatrick, man, that would be, (laughs) that would be all of a sudden a really stout defense. So, you know, if you can resist the urge to take Saquon Barkley and stick with Duke Johnson as a pass catcher, get one of these other running backs, you know, a Sony Michelle or a um, Darius Geis, somebody like that to be your your every down back then, or your uh, your early down back. I, I think that that's a better formula for the Browns. Um, as far as, but as far as Duke goes, even if they do bring in Barkley, I mean, he moves on, Duke moves on next year and he's going to sign with a team that's looking for a pass catcher and doesn't focus on the, the every down, do it all type of bell cow type of back. And I think that his value shoots right back up in the 2018, 2019 off season. So, um, I, I think you've got a window to sell, but I don't think it's your only opportunity. That's the long answer to a short question. All right. Yeah, no, I, I kind of see it. I think there there is an opportunity even to kind of, you know, in the short term, maybe move Duke Johnson this year and buy him back next year at a really low price. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that, that, you know, might be something too, if you're, if you're into, you know, you're in a league where, you know, there, there's a lot of trading happening. That might be an option for you to kind of look at something like that. Um, and, and real quick, I do think you're right. I think the, the Browns are probably better served by passing on Saquon Barkley, taking a back later if, if they decide to do that and not sign one in free agency. Um, however, as a Duke Johnson owner, I kind of got to look at, you know, the, the Browns <laughs> don't always do what they should do or what popular opinion says is best for them to do. Right. So uh, that's the thing. So, And, and one more thing, I'm going to give a quick shout out to Christopher Beans. Um, he's uh, one of our guys at DFF, and he has a tremendous amount of stats about how Duke Johnson is a very underrated running back and uh, and the reasons why. he's He makes a compelling argument. So um, if you are trying to sell Duke Johnson, contact uh, contact Christopher Beans on, on Twitter. Um, he's one of our DFF guys. I don't have his DFF handle handy, but uh, but he's one of those guys that if you contact him, you're going to get some stats that you might be able to include with a trade offer that uh, someone might, might end up paying a little bit more for him because of it. So um, definitely a guy I would contact if you're looking for some uh, – some more information on uh, on Duke Johnson. You you might get enough information that you decide you don't want to deal with him anymore because uh, he's pretty persuasive with that stuff. Yeah, he's he's a really interesting resource for a lot of. The, he's you talk about you know next gen stats. Um, Beans, he I don't always agree with with uh, some of the approaches he takes, but I uh fully fully support the effort to find new ways to start to to grade some of these guys and uh some of his actually are really on point and really useful so yeah that's a that's a really good call um let's move on to running back number 12 for the 2017 season uh Ezekiel Elliott 
And uh, this is, to me, this is a really interesting one, um, you know, where I was talking about how running back, you know, top five running backs don't repeat. It's because guys like Ezekiel Elliott and David Johnson finished well outside the top five, you know, for various reasons, whether it's an injury or suspension. Um, those guys, to me, are, there's a, there's a, pretty good chance that they jump back in to the top five, uh, pushing out guys like Alvin Kamara and, um, Melvin Gordon and, you know, guys like that. So, but anyways, Ezekiel Elliott in 2017, uh, despite serving a six game suspension, um, plus the buy plus an absolutely terrible game here at Denver, where he carried the ball nine times for eight yards, he still managed 242 carries, 983 yards and seven touchdowns, and then 26 catches on 38 targets, 269 yards receiving and two receiving touchdowns. That is insane production for essentially eight eight usable fantasy games. Yeah, yeah, it I I think you I I think you and I are probably the two outspoken ones about Zeke and really it's <laughs> about his suspension. Mm-hmm. And uh and yeah, it just, um, I mean, that was a six game suspension and his next issue, issue, so to speak, quote unquote issue that, uh, the NFL sees that is a suspendable offense. I, I mean, what is it? 10 games? Is it a full season? I mean, he's been warned by the NFL that he may be banned from the league. I mean, it's just unbelievable. This was one off season it's really difficult for me to think that I can invest in a player like this long term and that this isn't going to be an issue once or twice more. Um, so yeah, uh, we, and, and the worst part about it is if it happens in season, you ha- you can't prepare for it. Like to me, an injury is what it is. If you have David Johnson, he hurts his wrist. I can replace him moving forward. I can, I you know, I can put in somebody else. I can. You know what I'm saying? Like to, to me, that's that's kind of the, the way that is. This Zeke suspension this year was a mess. You didn't know when he was going to get suspended, if he was going to get suspended, when it was going to get served, and it got served at the worst possible time. You know, yeah. I mean, yeah, I, three games before the the playoffs hit, and then you know, or four games before, and then if you were fortunate enough to make it to the championship game without Zeke, which was probably a guy you were relying on heavily at the time, you got to use him for a week. Yay. Um, but I, I don't think there were a lot of people like that. So, I, I yeah, I've, uh, Zeke scares me. Um, I wouldn't. I, I I'm unwilling to to inherit the risk that comes with owning Zeke. And so, anywhere I've owned him, I've dealt him, and uh, I own zero shares of Zeke, and I'm okay with that because I know that you know there's a chance that this guy explodes, has a couple great seasons, and I'm you know I'm not gonna I'm not gonna have any of it. Um, but you know, I also know that there's a there's a chance that he gets suspended for ten games or a, a full season, and I'm not going to be hampered by it. So I'll kind of take that. Uh, I don't know. What do you think, Joe? Yeah, I mean, part of part of the issue for me with him too is just the volume. You know, 242 carries in uh, so what would in ten games, and uh, you know, 26 catches on top of that. Plus, he's on the field and pa- on passing downs, even when he's not running routes. I mean, that's part of why he's on the field is because you can leave him out there to help in pass protection. So Zeke, with his, you know, he's stout, but he's kind of a smaller guy. 
and he's taking on pass rushers. You know, he's taking on the linebackers coming up the middle at full sprint. And so he's just taking a ton of damage. And so that part worries me. But also, you know, and if Travis was here, this is one of those times where he would he would be saying, you know, the suspension, you can't you can't assume that that's going to happen. That's not predictive. And that's absolutely true. You know, he's more likely to get injured than suspended. Um, I, I, I fully agree with that part. But what we're saying as far as the sp- suspension goes is you're paying a price for Ezekiel Elliott as if that's not even a possibility that he he could be suspended for an entire year. He could be suspended for life, you know, and you're still paying the same price that you're paying for Le'Veon Bell, a guy who doesn't, well, Le'Veon Bell has kind of the same thing over his head, although he's he's kind of moved on from it, uh, or so it seems. But, you know, guys like Todd Gurley and David Johnson, you know, you're paying, Ezekiel Elliott is playing in in a way that puts him in that same top tier as those guys, and which makes him the same cost, whether you're, you know, you're spending draft capital on him to take him in a startup or you're spending capital on him to, to acquire him in a trade. You're paying full price for a guy who has that that potential, has that dark cloud over his head. So, you know, we're not saying that he's going to get suspended, but we're saying that when it comes to that top tier of running backs, which, you know, I'm already staying away from, but I if you're going to do if you're going to go that route with one of those top running backs, that's the time where you start splitting hairs, and that's what we're doing when we're talking about the Ezekiel Elliott suspension possibility. So, um I I that's to me, it's just one more reason to pick, you know, even a guy like Alvin Kamara or Kareem Hunt. I, I think that Ezekiel Elliott is a better player than Kareem Hunt but a, and is in a better situation. But I would still take Kareem Hunt over Ezekiel Elliott just for the simple fact that Kareem Hunt isn't one bonehead move away from being done for, you know, a year plus. So that that's the entire point with Zeke. Um but like I said, beyond that, there's also an injury risk for me. So I think that Ezekiel Elliott for 2018 has absolutely has the opportunity to be a top five running back. In fact, he's one of the few guys that I would bet on as far as that goes. But for Dynasty, I I I might hold him through 2018, but I'm selling as soon as I feel like his his value has peaked. Yeah, that's fair enough. I, I kind of agree with that. Um, let's move on. We got uh, yeah, running back 13, Devontae Freeman. Um, interesting. He played 14 games, started all 14, um, had 196 carries for 865 yards, seven touchdowns. He also had 47 targets, which he turned into 36 grabs for 317 yards and one touchdown. Um, I. You know, Devontae Freeman is interesting. He definitely looked like he wore down at the end of the year. Tevin Coleman looked like the better back to me. Um, there's a rumor, the latest rumor coming out of Atlanta is that Atlanta wants to extend Tevin Coleman, and that is either one of two things. Either A, they really enjoy Tevin Coleman, they like Tevin Coleman, they like what they get out of him, and they like having that tandem. Or B, they're worried about Devontae Freeman a little bit because 
when you're willing to spend, you know, starter money on a second running back when you already have one under contract, it it tells me a little something. I mean, there's got to be a little bit of a red flag there. And if you watched later in the season and in the playoffs, it seemed like Tevin Coleman was outplaying Devontae Freeman on the field. So um, I don't know. To me, it just kind of seems like Tevin Coleman is going to continue to cut into Devontae Freeman's workload. It limits his upside. I suppose it limits his injury a little bit. However, you know, uh, the concussions are starting to pile up with Freeman. He did miss two games this season. Um, I, I guess I'm a little worried about the longevity, too, for a guy. I mean, he's 5'8", you know, 205 pounds. He's not the biggest back, and he probably shouldn't be taking, you know, a lot of the beating that he takes. So I, maybe that's factored into why Tevin Coleman uh, is, is rumored to be uh, to be high on Atlanta's wish list to bring back. But um uh, to me, it's it's a bit of a red flag that they'd be willing to bring him back, uh, bring back Tevin Coleman when they have Devontae Freeman under contract. Uh, what do you think, John, as far as Devontae Freeman goes? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, well, first of all, the, the concussions worry me, you know, and we've, we've kind of gone back and forth both on and off air with uh, Travis before about concussions. And I mean, he's right that this, the science doesn't support the idea that you're, that the more concussions you sustain the more likely you are to sustain another one but um he also points out that he's the first one to point out that the more concussions you sustain the worse they get and i think that's kind of the road that we're starting to go down with Devonte freeman that's part of my issue with him that's part of my worry but yeah like you said i mean the biggest concern here is tevin coleman and i i really think that this might be this, the beginning of Tevin Coleman just kind of taking over this job altogether. I think Devonta Freeman might end up being the odd man out here in the next year or two. And uh, the, I think that Tevin Coleman is going to end up being the feature back there uh, sooner rather than later. Um, next guy is Jordan Howard. And he's he was running back number 14 uh, for the Chicago Bears this year with... 276 carries, 1,122 yards rushing and nine touchdowns, and then 23 receptions on top of it for 125 yards, and that was on 32 targets. Uh, He did not score a a receiving touchdown because of uh, the emergence of Tariq Cohen as the receiving back in that offense. Um, There also weren't a lot of uh, receiving touchdowns to be had with the rookie Mitchell Trubisky. Um, but Jordan Howard is an interesting one to me. And this is, Jordan Howard is very polarizing. He's a very, he's kind of an acquired taste. And I think that this might be the first one that, if I recall, you and I might disagree quite a bit on Jordan Howard here. Yeah, uh, Pro Football Reference has his nickname as the Bulldozer, so I'm just going to gonna refer to him as that. <laughs> okay. Um, no, I, I here's here's my thing with Jordan Howard. I mean, I <laughs> I like I, that you're gonna do it like really condescendingly. That's that's at least that's what I'm picturing here. <laughs> bulldozer, you know, bulldozer. I, 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 Ooh. Here's the thing with me. I I wasn't all that high on Jordan Howard. Um, after last year, I I think he was just kind of a guy for me. You know, a a, a number two running back. You know, just a a guy in that offense. But I really like what what that offense has done what that team has done uh, hiring Matt Nagy as the, the head coach the offensive coordinator they brought in from Oregon um, you know uh, um, I, I think they're going to spread the ball they're going to spread 
spread the field out. They're going to make easier reads for Mitch Trubisky. They're going to put him on the run. And I think a lot of moving that pocket and that sort of thing is going to open lanes up for Jordan Howard. Uh, it's interesting. I think Jordan Howard and Tariq Cohen are both going to benefit from this. And so that to me is really where I see Jordan Howard right now is I kind of like him moving forward only because I like what's happening with this offense, with this coaching staff that they brought in. Um, I think it's going to benefit Jordan Howard and Tariq Cohen. Um, so those are guys that I'm kind of kind of high on uh, because of that, because of the coaching staff, because of the direction of the franchise. Interesting. Okay, we're not as far off as I thought we would be. Um, because, I mean, I thought that your knock on Jordan Howard here was going to be the lack of receptions, you know, with Tariq Cohen there serving as a pass-catching back role. And, uh, but I mean, the so the issue for Jordan Howard is just going to be volume. But, you know, kind of like you said, there's there's an opportunity here for this entire Bears offense to take a step with Matt Nagy ahead of at the helm and, uh, you know, making, making like you said, the, the reads easier for Mitchell Trubisky, um, you know, bring in some receivers to take some of the pressure off of the passing game. Um, this, this is a solid enough offensive line that they can make the, the running lanes. You just have to have a credible passing game. And, you know, if you, if you buy into the idea that the Chicago Bears of 2018 are going to be the 2017 Rams reincarnate, then I think that it all starts with the idea that Jordan Howard ser- serves the role of Todd Gurley. So, I, I mean, I don't think that he's going to get nearly the volume that Todd Gurley got, but I do think that, like you said, there's an opportunity here for that entire offense to take a step and for Jordan Howard to be the primary beneficiary, beneficiary. and uh, also look for Tariq Cohen to have um, to take another step and to be a, an, another pretty big part of this offense. That's going to do it for this episode. We're through 14 running backs now, and we've got one more episode that we're going to do. They'll come out later this week. So we'll be back on Friday to talk more about the running back position and continue our position dissection uh, with uh, running backs 15 through infinity. Maybe not quite that many, but we're, we've got a lot of running backs to talk to or to talk about. So we're going to get to that here in a few days. But until then, bye. Bye.